Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast, powered by Steel Series, but more on that later. It's a huge morning, exciting morning. I'm joined by Adam Ryan. Good morning, it's early. James Wood. Good morning, gamers. Nathan Hennessy. Good evening. Ash Whaling. Good morning, it is early. Why do you say evening, Nathan? Just And... I am Zach Jackson, oh, right. as usual, but let's get straight stuck into it because we only have a small little run today. No time for a chin wag. No time for fun. <laughs> we don't like fun. Fun is bad. We're here for efficiency now. That's it. All right. Where do we, where do we want to start? Do you want to start straight off the bat with uh, what we've just experienced? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's rip the band-aid let's, off. <laughs> let's do it. So uh, for those who are listening, whenever you are listening, Xbox has just put out its business update via its official podcast and it's 22 minutes and 50 something seconds long and it's a whole bunch of nothing new really um it was it was pre-recorded for one thing so mm. yeah step one didn't know there was an official xbox podcast step two <laughs> wasn't a live one so mm. no no so essentially they announced that actually james do you want to go through this because you probably have a, have a better rundown than i do yeah i, I watched most of it I, I turned it off towards the end when they started talking about community bullshit because we know how <laughs> james feels about that um yeah so uh right off the jump uh off the bat uh phil spencer said yes we are bringing four games to multi-platform no we are not ready to announce what they are uh which is certainly a choice because they they went on to tease what they are uh i think was it the the verge or one of the the bigger tech-ish websites uh has gone on to report that they will be pentiment grounded sea of thieves and hi-fi rush um, two of which were hinted at during the presentation as like sort of ongoing live service games. The other two are smaller experimental titles that were never meant to be console sellers. Whatever. I, it is, it is what it is. Um, he did say that Starfield and Indiana Jones are not going multi-platform, but that was also immediately followed up by a conversation about how, uh, I think I wrote the quote down somewhere. Uh, they're going to continue to look at ways to bring their games to more players in the future. So Seems like we're doing like a bit of a test run here with a couple of smaller titles and then we will go from there. Uh, Spencer said games that are exclusive to one platform are going to be smaller and smaller part of the industry. So there's some groundwork being laid here. The, the road is is headed on away. Uh, Sarah Bond was also there. She said on the topic of future Xbox hardware, we do have more to come. There's some exciting stuff coming out in the hardware that we're going to be sharing this holiday. We're also invested in the next generation roadmap. What we're really focused on there is delivering the largest technical leap you will ever have seen in the <laughs> hardware generation, which They're makes it fun. better for the players <laughs> and better for creators and the vision that they are building. Uh, some other random bits of information, 34 million gameplay subscribers at the moment uh diablo 4 will be coming to game pass on the 28th of march uh which will kick off the activision blizzard games coming to game pass um all first party games will be day one game pass still no fundamental changes to exclusivity i mean i don't know how you view this as anything other than a fundamental change to exclusivity but this is the xbox double speak and it was 22 minutes of that so um mm. yeah there you go that mm. was now, wasn't so succinct well done. I, I mean, say, it's, like, it's two minutes of information they spread out over 22. Yeah. Um, you you so put down 20 minutes of presentation to get down to exactly. two minutes of meat. Yeah. 
Yeah, and exactly you only right. needed to listen to the first five minutes of this podcast to get the full dose, baby. Well that's done. That's it. That's it. You should come to us for your exclusives from now on. Mm. We respect your time. Mm. Yeah, it was something. Uh, I wonder so is- if the they had plans for you know, maybe like a Starfield, possibly in, in Indiana Jones, but then obviously mm. the reaction has been like, oh, let's just start small. Yeah, I mean, everything I've heard is that Bethesda in particular have kicked up quite a stink internally about their games being locked onto Xbox. Um, And I could very much see, like, hey, let's open the discussion internally to anything could potentially come to other consoles, so let's talk about it. That information gets leaked, regurgitated, exaggerated, yada, yada. Um, Mm. These four titles to me, like I said earlier, they very much strike me as testing the waters. Um, and I, I think they'll do well. Like I will pick up Sea of Thieves on PlayStation. I'll probably pick up Pentiment on PlayStation. I'll probably pick up Hi-Fi Rush on PlayStation. Like they will make the money from this. And then the big wigs at Microsoft will go, we can make money from this under the guise of mm, games are for everybody. Um, yeah. Done. You know. Now, wasn't there also a note that at least there was some kind of pre-release internal memo that just mentioned that like every X, every screen is an Xbox? As like an ongoing thing that they should be mindful of, and it yes. was, uh, it, yeah, it was said in so many words in this thing, but again, fell victim to double speak. Um, mm. It's still all about Xbox, baby, but also it's an Xbox. It's really weird trying to have your cake and eat it too when it comes to sort of your brand loyalty. When it's sort of mm. you want to make lots of money, but you're also trying to create this schism amongst people. It's mm-hmm. it's hard yeah. to make that profitable though. Because you, you're responsible wholly for that environment. So Yeah. They also said, uh, I, don't, I don't remember which one of the um, the three talking heads said it, but there was some variation of, and as we continue to bring more studios into the Xbox fold, which I was like, yeah. mm, uh, tremendous. Yeah. They, they had a wonderful little moment where they mentioned the layoffs in like, it was about a, a five second little part mm. of the- It's because minute. 2023 Goliath. didn't grow. Fuck yeah, you, 2023. Right. That was should have grown. That was my my favorite thing, and they were like, "And to combat that, we are going to take on more companies, and we are going to try and sell it to more people." But Combat's an interesting word because it was kind of aggressive verbiage in a way, wasn't it? Like it was, yeah. yeah. It was it was awkward, very awkward. The whole thing oh, was pretty awkward. Like to be fair, nope, yeah. don't like that. Mm. Very so, mm. weeks of speculation for a bit of. Nothing. Oh, Which is like, that's the Xbox was it weeks? Brand, it was like you know? it was like ten oh, oh, days of like yeah. literally the sky is falling. Yeah. yeah. Like Dogwater ninety nine is announced he will no longer buy Xbox consoles, and it was like no, <laughs> not that incredibly Xbox specific online personality. Just quickly on the um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. I was just going to say on the the whole itch, the whole thing about twenty twenty three not growing, so we lay off stuff uh, to. To, the, to their credit, they did say there is two solutions to this. I don't know if it's deserving credit. One is milk our existing player base more. Like they were quite upfront about that. You know, milk them more. Or the latter, which we prefer, get more people in the, in the, in, in, on the systems. Mm. And look, fair enough. But is that having more players, was that really going to combat the layoffs? Like that's, it seems a little bit maybe not yeah. dishonest. It's a uh, it's it's public facing business math. 
You know, yeah. it's like, mm. well, if more people would just sign up for Xbox Game Pass, we wouldn't have had to have ruined 1,500 lives or however <laughs> yeah. many people they It just, sort of, it like, just puts the onus on the players. It's like, well, yeah. if, if you guys bought more, they'd still have jobs, <laughs> guys. I'd love a candid conversation if they just broke down the monetization of Game Pass and how that's divided mm. to developers mm. and whatnot. I'd l- just, I know that they would never do it in such a, a forum like the mm-hmm. official yeah. Xbox podcast. There is which, a lot yeah, to worry about. Had no idea that fucking existed, but yeah, let's. No. If you want to talk about growth, let's let's break it down even further. Let's let's have a it chat. It is concerning how great Game Pass is for the whole community. It's hard because you don't really have anything else to compare it to. But like the only real thing that you can sort of get an analog from is like Spotify, which mm, yeah. is mm-hmm. incredible for consumers, but absolutely terrible for the people who actually mm-hmm. release their stuff on the platform. So it's like, does Game Pass have a similar thing where like, ooh, good for gamers, but the people making these products are suffering because they don't make any money. But, you know, mm. without an actual dirty sheet to look at, we'll never know. We need a white paper. But I think, I think that, some devs have been um, on record saying that Game Pass was a good deal. Them, I think for some it certainly would be. It just Mm. when you have what three, four hundred games, like fucking hell, the lion's share of those are going to Starfield and whatnot. Yeah, it makes you wonder, Zach. There's been enough time now that the closest analog you get is like something like an uh, Epic Games exclusivity contract, where like you know you get twenty million dollars up front to release on you know Epic Games. But there's been enough time now that some of those developers actually saying that we didn't see any growth. Mm-hmm. You know, this happened. We hit that market. We hit the entire market, and that's all that market was. We didn't go anywhere else. Mm. PC uh, games are quickly weird, on the though. topic of Game Pass, by the way, they uh, it was two years ago. I think subscribers were at twenty five million. Um, they have reported now they are at thirty four million, uh, which some people are accrediting to the um, transition from Xbox Live Gold to Xbox Pass core um so there would have been a little bit of overlap there um i think that's still relatively short of where they wanted game pass to end up over the next couple of years uh by a a good million like millions of subscribers um but i mean ostensibly hasn't plateaued uh but again we have very little to compare this to about where these things are happening the trends that they're following um yeah but at some point, like that, that number's going to slow right down. I think it's. I think oh, that is, it has to. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and Diablo That's 4 wild. is coming to Game Pass mm. on March 28th. That was a, a weird little nugget of information they threw in there as well. In March? Oh, well, it's when you're talking about like Game Pass and all of the online discussions about it, like one of the top three topics is always when, the, when are Blizzard games coming? When's Call of Duty coming? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So there you go. Anyway. Anyway, good job, that. Phil. Done your done your work for the day. Go. We have, have a, m- literally milked a, the Xbox topic bake. dry, and we're still only at eleven minutes. So we've still come in under half yeah, their runtime. Vapid company with not much to say about it. Like, <laughs> oh, they just odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Sarah Bond was convincingly quite charismatic despite saying nothing, you know, credit where credit's due. She was very quiet, <laughs> I thought. Um, but my, she... my prediction of moving her into the spotlight is failing me. So. Yeah. <laughs> this mm. slowly turning up the brightness. All right, yeah. let's, talk, um, let's talk about some video games. Ash, you've played a very colourful game recently and you quite enjoyed it. Tell us all about Ultros. Absolutely. I tasted the rainbow of Ultros, which is a Metroidvania from Swedish Hadouk. Haddock. I made the same joke in my video review, but I'm still going to make it here because I still don't know. Hadouk or Haddock? Don't know. Developer. Cool developer. Hadouk. 
Hado, but without the Ken, basically. But um, yeah, really super classic two D Metroidvania. But like you said, known for its visuals. It's um, it's from the same artist who's well known for the Hotline Miami sort of visual styles. A guy by the name of El Huevo, and so like psychedelic, really. So like art that. You look at it, it makes sense, but if you look at it for more than two seconds, it starts to look weirder and weirder, which is cool. It's like a magic <laughs> eye, but you don't have to squint. Um, it was a really cool game. I checked my save. I actually did 15 hours. I said in my review I did 11. I realized I did not. I did 15 hours of that game. But really classic old-school side-scrolling, up-down, you know, screens-to-screens kind of navigation. Lots of exploration elements to try and get places. The story makes no sense, but in a great way. Like, it's this alien environment. You're literally on this ship that they call either a crib or a sarcophagus, depending on who you talk to. It's either a place of life or a place of death. And it's just mostly organic. There's gardens everywhere, so the biggest hook of the game is gardening. You stick seeds in the grounds and things come out. You've got to harvest your seeds. You can get fruit to eat. And 90% of the puzzles that, like, are in the game based around how to get places comes down to what kind of seed can you put here. Like, one of the first things I did when I learned how to grow stuff was I discovered that there was, like, verdant soil on a roof. And you can drop the seed on the ground, and because it's all physics-based, you can, like, literally do, like, a blade backflip, soccer kick it into the air so that it roots in the ground and then grows a vine that you can swing on. And at that moment, I went, okay, this game doesn't just look cool. It is really cool. And that set the tone for the whole game, and I loved it. Does it have any any of those rouge-like elements? Oh, yes. Let's let's talk about the rougey elephant in the room. Um, <clears throat> I went into the game thinking it was a roguelike because it does have a mechanic where sort of there's a thing called a loop where basically you know a big thing will happen, the screen will fade to black with all kinds of weird sort of you know El Huevo art energy going on, and then you just wake up back at the start again. But all of your, you know... All of your input into the world is still there. The doors you've opened, the puzzles you've solved are still done. But your skill tree and your inventory have been emptied. Um, but it's not not true roguelike. When you die, you go back to a checkpoint. And those reboots, they're, they're called loops. Um, they seem to have been deliberately done to take things away from you to set up sort of different, uh, like, either story beats or exploration beats. Um, one thing I didn't mention in my review is that you don't have a double, double jump as a standard. The double jump comes from you getting a particular tool called an extractor. It's like it's like a specific multi-tool thing, and it just sort of has like a little bit of flavor text that says, like, you know, can be used for a range of functions. Also gives you a double jump. And I remember when I got it, I was thrilled because I'm like, this game is so cool, it just needs a double jump. Um, one of the loops actually took that away from me for a while, and like I immediately got frustrated thinking, like, oh, well, this is gonna suck, because I just got used to the double jump. But then I realized that it put me in an environment where I didn't need double jumps to get around it. And then when I got my double jump, that environment felt different, even though it was the same one, the same area I was in. I was like, oh, hold on. Now I can double jump. I can do a whole lot of other stuff in here, but I didn't feel, you know, hampered by not having it. So I think the loops are a lot more careful. And there's not many of them. I thought there'd be a loop after like every major boss fight, which is like, you know, there's like nine. But I think there was only really three loops in the whole game. And you can avoid them because the loop happens when you do it. You, you do a thing and then you go to a place. So the loops feel more like a, I'm ready for the next chapter of the game now, as opposed to, you know, restart, padding, go again. Mm. But yeah, nice. really cool game. It's um it's on PC, it's on um, PS4 and PS5 at the moment. Um, I, it needs to come to handhelds. I think it's it would be, make a great Switch title, but 
I also think it's it's quite cheap. I think it's only on like it's on the lower end of like thirty dollars, thirty five maybe. I could be wrong, but I know it's that it was. Good. It's it's very affordable, very cool, and it just for a first effort from Hadouk, it just comes out swinging. Like every facet's mm. cool. Sick visuals, sick audio, very cool. <clears throat> the only thing I'll warn people about is that it is very old school in the sense that it is not going to hold your hand and give you a waypoint and a big long spiel about where to go next and how to solve this. It's, you know, the characters will just sort of give you a glib, oh, you can maybe fix it by doing this. So there's no yellow it. paint? No yellow paint, <laughs> nothing. There is, there's tons of yellow in this game, but it's not paint. Um, Funny story, I missed what a character said because I decided to check my phone randomly, realized I did not read what they said, had a flat-out mega gaming panic attack where I was like, I'm not going to be able to finish this game because I didn't get that tiny patch of a clue. But PlayStation game recording. I recorded the last 30 minutes of my gameplay and rewound <laughs> back till I talked hey. to the person. I was just like, ah, go to the refinery. Cool. Thank God for that. <laughs> but yeah, don't don't read text messages from your wife while you're playing this game. How is the... Other combat in the game because i like i've started like i started it um mm. played like 15 minutes while uh banishes was doing an update and uh yeah like it was it was, it was pretty neat like i'm very very keen to go back mm, really but snappy combat, it's, it, yeah it, it's cool it's one of those it's one of those combat systems that it sort of like gives you all the tools out of the gate it's like you know you can dodge and then immediately do a retaliation attack which is sort of your bread and butter for a lot of cases you can do like a three hit combo and then like charge up for a heavy heavy attack that's sort of the tools that are handed to you straight away. And they'll work in the vast majority of situations. Sort of the way that you add depth to it is through the skill tree in the game. Like you you sort of, you know, big thing about your guarding and stuff is that you can sort of grow fruit and eat meat and get, you know, resources to, you know, spin in your skill tree. You sort of shape the combat you want to do based off the, update to, uh, the upgrades you pick up. So like you can get a thing to juggle enemies in the air. Uh, you can get another thing to sort of like do more attacks while you're in the air, like sort of dash into people or jump, bounce off the heads like in Hollow Knight. Um, it doesn't become like a massive variety of like, yeah, you've got like 30 moves, choose which ones you want. It's sort of like if you cap out the skill tree, you've sort of got like probably a total of like 11 different attacks and it just comes down to how do you, how you want to use them. And it's kind of, I like that kind of thing because it's, it's deep enough without feeling needlessly bloated. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, there's like, there's only really 10 enemies in the game and you just get them in different configurations. The rest of the game's bosses. So... It's cool. neat. It's, you it's get to Yeah. <laughs> I'll Very take nice. your word for it. <laughs> All right. You slapped a big nine on that bad boy. You have a yep. review over on YouTube, which is doing quite well for us. It is. Uh, so good job. Uh, any Anything you want to add before we move on past Ultros? Um, if you haven't heard of it, that's that's fine. You probably Googled it and saw the Final Fantasy villain. That's normal. That's a that's a thing that happens. Final Fantasy? No? Ultros? Is that an Earthbound? I don't know. Either way, there's a famous villain called Ultros, and you probably need to Google Ultros Game or Ultros Hadouk or Ultros Very Colorful Metroidvania. Just get it on your radar, because if it's not, it should be. Oh, yeah. Final Fantasy VI that's villain. Good SEO. There you go. Yeah. People get... Come on, Nathan. Are said... you a big fan? Six is is on my backlog. I hear it's the best one. Uh, Real high on the backlog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very nice, good stuff. All right, Ash, let's take a break from your game and hear from you in the past uh, with a message from our sponsors <laughs> at Steel Series. 
SteelSeries is renowned for its innovative and award-winning products that elevate your gaming performance and experience, and the new range of Alias microphones are no exception. Alias microphones feature a capsule that is three times larger than most microphones on the market, giving your recording richer and deeper audio. And with the free-to-use Sonar software, AI-enhanced noise cancellation eliminates the background noise that other cardioid microphones will capture. With Sonar, SteelSeries has tailor-made an audio suite that offers the complete solution for content creators who want to manage their EQ levels, personal and stream mix, and it works seamlessly with programs such as OBS and many, many more. Available now, Alias Microphones and Sonar features everything you need to take your content creation to the next level. Oh wow, thanks me! <laughs> Amazing work there, Ash. We love hearing your voice here on the podcast and in the ads and shoutouts once again to Steel Series for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, some very quick... Uh, little notes, but we have a new episode of Talk Through up on YouTube uh, featuring Nathan and Adam. Uh, they played through. Sorry, Adam, how do you uh, say the game again? Solium Infernum. Oh, we nailed okay. it. Look at me go. Uh, you should go and watch mm. it because I do mispronounce the title of the game twice in front of two of the people who created it. So I'm. You're saying like Solum Infernium? Yes, that's exactly what I did. Uh, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, spot they, on. They had a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had uh, studio director and executive producer of the game. Okay. Yeah. With with the uh, so Trent Custers and Morgan Little, I believe uh, their names, and they were yeah. So they join us. Go check that out. That game launches February Feb twenty second. Twenty second, which I think translates to 20, Feb twenty three here. Most likely. Steam. Yep. Cool. Nice work. Well, James, you and I have been busy. We've both mm. played through and reviewed Banishes for our respective outlets. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Uh, my review finally went up last night. God, I hate life at the moment. That's no, great. Um, and, but yeah, I had a, I had a blast with this. You didn't have as much of a blast, but you had a blast. Uh, so... In certain, yeah, in there were certain parts. Of, there were certain oh, certain parts mean? of the game that <laughs> you, I think. Well, he, James and I have spoken off on the mm. phone. Uh, you know, just you know. side note: can we can we just change the rating system of World Play to just is blast is not a blast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just <chew your> <laughs> uh, But yeah, there's there, there's one thing part of this. It's a big part of this game that James quite enjoyed. There's another, obviously, part to it that James mm. maybe didn't quite as much enjoyed. But the story. So this is a don't. This is a game made by Don't Nod, uh, published by Focus Entertainment. And if you know, if you know who Don't Nod are, uh, don't then you mean you'll Upper Entertainment or whatever they're called now? Push pull, pull up. up, push up, push push up, pull up, pull up, <laughs> no, baby, pull up, skirt. There you go. Kids, kids, yeah. nappy. that's <laughs> going to go into yeah, going to go into a partnership with Big 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 Ralph. Deadlift. I was thinking that Big when I saw the name change. Yeah. Um, the yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is it. Don't nod. They, you know, they've made life is strange and vampire vampire. However you want to say that game. They also did a game called twin mirror, which I also really quite liked, but no one seems to know existed. And they did remember me as well. Twin twin mirror is like wish Alan Wake kind of. Oh, you we really got sell it from <laughs> No, honestly, I, I could fuck with that. That's kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's if mm. let's just no, no, that that's mean. That, that that's gonna be. I mean, Timu Wake. 
anyway, so we've got Banishers here. This this was my most anticipated game of the year. This was uh, this is the game where you play as the two ghost hunters, but they also lovers as well. So you've got Red McRaith and Antia. Duarte, I think is how you say her last name, and it's set in 1965, uh, 1695, uh, <laughs> in uh, a fictional town called New Eden, which is uh, set in Massachusetts, uh, North America. And yeah, you, you're basically summoned to this town or, or called up to, to this town by a fellow banisher to deal with a curse. And when you when you get to the town, uh, you discover that basically this this curse, which is uh, known as a nightmare is fucking shit right up and it's it's killed your friend and then you go to try and defeat this uh, nightmare but you're not really prepared for what how, how powerful it is and then uh, Antia dies and then essentially that's where the the beginning of the game really kind of be, begins there and you play as both characters, you play as Red and Antia. Uh, Red is obviously in the living world and Antia is in the spirit world and... Uh, yeah, the next... James, how, how long did it take you? Uh, for me, it was about 20 hours. Yes, yeah, so I was about 25 to 30, but I think I did a bit more of the site content mm-hmm. than, than you. Yeah, so for the next... Because you can probably play up to like 50 hours. So the next 50 hours is you exploring this New Eden uh, world, solving a bunch of cases, and yeah, going to finally defeat the Nightmare. But the other big thing is that, and like with any don't uh, don't nod game, is that choices are very much an, are an important part of this. And at the very early on in the game, you are given a a choice on how you want to tackle your journey. Do you want to uh, ascend Antia's spirit to the the heavens, or do you want to um, tempt fate and and, res- and try and resurrect her? But uh, each of those choices. I mean, you have to go down a particular way of of playing the game, and you have to kind of commit to that to that way if you if you want either or um, either outcome. There's kind of no gray area really, but I think if you mm-hmm. do the gray area, it might lean one way. But I, I don't want to spoil that. But yeah, uh, Nathan, question. But by the time that choice is given to you, and you say this quite early, do you feel informed enough that? you're confident in the decision you're making or you just kind of roll the dice and see where the game takes you? I, I'll, I'll let James answer as well, but I think it's um, it's an emotional choice, I think. Okay. Mm. So it's it's playing on your values well, but, I mean, and shit. Like that's, how, like that's how it was for me. Like I was like, yeah, I want to do, like I really want to do that, but that feels mm. right. So more emotive than gameplay consequence it was kind of motivating you. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's not quite a rug pull, but it is a. It's deliberately asking you to make a moral commitment to a path before you understand the full ramifications of those morals. Okay. Um, and I, I think that makes it very interesting because the whole prologue of the game sets you up to choose the let let her go. The ascension path is is the right thing to do. Right. Um. But then you get into New Eden itself and New Eden changes you. I, I think it does a really good job of it's so mm. well written that like by the time that I got deep into it, I was like, actually, fuck these people. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, the writing and the and the story and in particular, the voice acting are easily the the, mm. the standouts. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think we kind of both agree on that. I think the voice acting yeah. by both uh, Red McRae, who is Russ Bain, 
uh, and Antia is phenomenal. Like Russ's mm. uh, Russ uh, Red is like one of, now like one of my favorite ga- uh, ca- uh, characters in in video games. His performance was sensational. It just there are these and and he's written so well that he's very uh, like there's a lot of empathy in like what in like what they talk about and you can and you can feel his distraughtness his 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 uh, you know him kind of going through his emotions and kind of trying to accept that and you know the choice that you've made and 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 Tia's death but also having to kind of still be around her but know that that's mm. you know that that's not going to last forever kind of thing um and there's yeah there's like little pockets in in this game where you'll spend time at your like campfire for example which are these like so your campfire is essentially where you can upgrade your uh, skills your gear you can rest, uh, which will recharge, uh, refresh your um, your health potions and stuff like that. Uh, but it's also where some of the, like the game's longer, drawn out uh, cutscenes kind of occur. So there are some moments where uh, Antia and, and Red will like chat about like their life, you know, their what they, you know, how they're gonna t- like go, uh, move. Uh, sorry, how they're gonna deal with things like moving forward. And, but, and then they also talk, talk about like their past. So you'll hear about like their family and like, like Red has a sister that, that he talks about uh, very fondly. And it's just all very, it's very gentle. He, like, he comes across as very gruff. I think, I think James used that word in his mm-hmm. review, which, which was a very apt description. But he's also, yeah, he's got, he's very gentle. He's very empathetic. Um, but yeah, like so, I I wrote in my review, and he kind of says this is that before he met Auntie, he was pretty much like a broken man, right? And she has helped piece him back to, together, and now he's he's lost that person that's kind of made him whole again. Um, and it's just it's written excellently and just performed excellently. Like yeah, it's just James. I, I don't know if you want to add anything to the on on that side of things. Yeah, no, I just I, I agree. They're they're an incredible pair of characters. I, I think some of her writing is a little weaker because she needs to be reactive to player choices. And so at times mm. when I thought she should push back on some things that I had chosen to do, she was just like, "Of course." I'm like, mm, I, don't, <laughs> I don't love that. Um, but mm, that's really my only gripe with the writing. Well, I mean that and the the major problem I have with one of the endings. But yeah. Mm. The only thing, and I didn't write this in my review because I actually forgot, but I don't think it's necessarily a, like a problem with the game, but I found, so Antia's, so let's kind of just go back a little bit. So when you're exploring New Eden, there's various ways to get around and there are sometimes where areas are gated off or blocked off because you need to use Antia's spectral powers uh, and these will unlock over time. But there's things where you can do like a, like a big blast, right, to basically smash through some rocks that are blocked by the spirit world um and every time you do that there's a, there's probably one of four lines that red or Antia use uh it's like oh it's uh like more like more efficient than uh cannon like gunpowder or something yeah. like that yeah. i love doing this um gee don't make let's not make you angry or something like that and it's just kind of after that i was just like mate Shut up! Just, just don't stop. play them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that, that 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 was probably the only problem. Um, and then even mm. same with like with like combat. Like when you're in combat, because uh, you can switch between the two characters on the go. Uh, if you use red for for too long, Antia will will she'll be like you know 
don't forget about me or, you know, I'm here to help mm. or what I like. She does that even if you use her though. Like yeah. I used her exclusively in one combat encounter and at the very end she was like, I could help too. I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> um, so there's some little things like that, but I don't think it really takes anything kind of away from from the overall experience. That's just, but there is some issues with, mm. with repetition that we'll, that, that we'll get into. Uh, I'm just trying to make sure we don't drag too long, but okay, well, let's just go straight into it. So the, the combat is probably where James had his biggest issue from a, from a gameplay sense. I mean, cause there's not really much else. I, I think top to bottom, it's gameplay is actually not very good. Um, okay. the, the more I sit on it, there's not much in there that I liked physically doing other than sitting and listening to these characters talk. Um, mm. Like, I, so, you know, for each haunting, you can do uh, investigations, quote unquote, and they give you this really splashy screen at the beginning of the game where it looks like you're going to be like filling out evidence and like things like motivation, uh, you know, why someone is still here, like, and you get notes and stuff. How this actually plays out is you get put into a contained environment where it's like investigate the area but they highlight in blue the item you need to interact with to progress. And so you just beeline for it. And you can look at other things as well, obviously, if you want to get more of an understanding. But like sometimes it'll be like a piece of paper and they'll be like, this isn't particularly relevant. And they'll put it back down. And it's like, why Why do I have the option <laughs> if, if it's not really useful? Um, so I thought the investigations were a bit, yeah, how you doing? Whatever. Um, and then that leads you into... It's an open world game, right? But it's it's very like God of War open world. I'd say open, very zone. Particular... I'd say, yeah, open zone, maybe. Open yeah, exactly. World, yeah. Very particular paths. You can't like cross a creek. You can't slide down a ledge. Like it is a you you shimmy across things or you shimmy between rocks to get to different places. It's very restricted it, in how you move around. Does it do that classic thing where you need to sort of push through a really narrow bit of rock path to get places? Yep. Oh, yeah, so classic. many times it, it will do that in the overworld. It will do that inside houses. It will do that in the spectral realm that you go to. It is everywhere. Oh, um, I hate I, narrow I ghost it. passages. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this ethereal realm has a small crevasse. Um, but yeah, look, I, I thought that sucked. And then like combat is probably the, not the worst of it. Cause that you can have some fun with it, but it is very, very, very basic. Hmm. So I actually didn't mind the combat. I thought I actually quite enjoyed the combat. I thought the issues that I had with the combat weren't the combat's fault, if that makes sense. So let me explain that. So that does make Thank sense you. to Jeez. you, right? <laughs> so combat is kind of like, yeah, I mean, James kind of said it before. It's very God of War-y in that kind of sense. Uh, you can't... Yeah. Red can hack and slash. He's got a saber and I think it's called a Bane. I wrote this in my review and Kieran was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, is that what it's called in the game? So I Googled it and I was like, maybe it's not called a Bane. Anyway, but um, he's got, he can hack and slash and he's got a gun that he can shoot as well. And it's kind of Devil May Cry in the sense that he's, there's never any ammo restraints. It's just, he's always, it's always there. And NT is like a supernatural brawler. She, she can uh, use a fist, a supernatural fist to punch Punch the shit out of the, the ghosts and shit like that. <laughs> Supernatural fists. Um, Put that on the box. <laughs> that's it. Uh, but yeah, but you can basically switch between the, the two on the go. And just to quickly jump back, the haunting cases that James was were talking about, they will give you, once you complete those, they will give you skill points to upgrade Antia's skills, basically. And then when you level up through progressing through the game, you'll get uh, points that can upgrade or unlock Red's um, access to skill. So... You kind of get a handful of skills just by progressing through the game. 
but then the rest you'll need to unlock by doing these cases, right? So, but yeah, like I had a ethereal blast. Uh, there's one where you can kind of freeze people in time for a split moment, but these are like your your baseline unlocks, right? These are, are free, right? Um, and you've also got uh, another one, which what's the final one you get? Oh, you can basically uh, take on Red's we weaponry. Anyway, when you kind of use them all together, it's, it actually can be quite fun. And the boss fights, I think, are they're quite well done. Like, I think they're probably the best of the combat. The issue with the combat is that it is, once you go into an area and it triggers enemies, you are locked into that combat. Ah, you can't just run away classic. and jump a wall and run off and just ignore it. You have to actually fight those enemies, kill those enemies before you can actually leave that area. Uh, and that's my issue with the, that. What that's what makes the, feel, the combat feel a bit repetitive in my sense. Like towards the end of the game when I was like, I just want to finish this son of a bitch. Like mm. I keep trying to, and because it's a looty kind of game, like there's there's a lot of Assassin's Creed loot in this, or not Assassin's Creed, but Ubisoft style Oh yeah, loot there's like color graded loot. Uh, it, oh. it's really bizarre RPG systems just kind of crammed in there. Uh, she yeah, she won so, the purples. As yeah, it was so the style at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what, yeah, that's how, that's why I found the, um, the combat quite re uh, just a bit of a chore because I was forced to do it so often. I didn't actually hate doing the combat when I really wanted to do the combat and like in boss fights and stuff, but just those constant always, yeah, because when you're trying to run through a forest to get to a certain point and it triggers combat like mm. six, seven times, you're like, and it's and the other it, issue is that we'll talk about is this that the enemy design is very, very minimal. There's only probably five or six very different design, uh, enemies that you fight within the world and you find those quite early on. Uh, mm. Yeah, so it just kind of adds in, it feeds into that repetition. But if you just literally just run past things and not engage, then it, it would be much much less annoying. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we only have a certain little bit of time left. James, do you want to add anything else to it? Uh, I just want to say, obviously, being a choice-based game, you get different endings based on your choices. Uh, the ending that Zach got, I think, upholds the narrative really nicely and all kind of fits in perfectly. The ending I got, and I looked this up afterwards, it would have changed had I done... 80% of the side quests or something like that. It's a nebulous number. They don't actually confirm. Um, but the ending I got, not only did it say, hey, you're going to need to play for another 10-ish hours to figure out if what we're doing is correct here. It also fundamentally rewrites a major character in a way that completely fucks up the game's themes and politics. Um, I, I found it fucking awful. I, I really, really did not like the taste it left in my mouth, unfortunately. Um, but, so, but if you choose the, the good path, quote unquote, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was um was when we after I rolled credits, we had a conversation about it, and I was very very surprised that they would go down that path. And it's just it's just an odd. Man, I dream of having a situation like that where like it's I'm a playing a game, and I can reach it to somebody who picked the other path and just immediately get the insight from them. Because mm. worst thing about games that have like there's two endings, especially if it's one that actually starts at the beginning of the game, is sitting there going. Do I really want to see what happens or do I just want to look it up on YouTube? Mm. James is, sitch, like, 
it, it reminds me of so, Arkham Knight. So I don't know if you recall, but you'd hit a soft ending, and then it was like, no, nah, you you got to do all the fucking yeah. map filler bitch quests mm-hmm. before you get the real ending. Have fun. See you in ten yeah, hours. It's just a, it's a terrible choice. It's an even worse choice for a narrative based game, I think. Um, and I, initially, when I got given that choice at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is amazing because we had like a solid lead time on this. So I was like, I'm gonna play through it twice and see both endings. This is gonna be great. And then by the time I hit that ending, I was like, I don't like playing this. I don't like thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a real it was a real bummer because I do think the writing and performances are like 99% fantastic. Mm. Well, I ended up giving it an 8.5, and James will Bill will go, ooh. Uh, on I, I yeah, I thought you were categorically I, insane, but um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love it. it. It was it's um like I said to you, it's kind of it had that last that last of us part two effect on me where I was let me let let me explain from a the review cook. from a review piece. Like I was so worried about finishing it, and getting this done, and even then it was still behind uh, after the embargo just because just because of fucking life, like real life work. Um, and so I was like stressing it. I was like, just can this thing fucking finish? Will this thing ever end? It doesn't ever end. Uh, and then oh, it finally, that's that's why you mean Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, because Last and of Us it, Part Two never ends. <laughs> yeah. And then it it did finish, and I was like, you know what? Now that I think about it, for like twenty after you know sitting up for like twenty four hours, I actually would go back to that game and do all that. Like I really wanted to do all like the haunting cases. Like there was so much more in that game I wanted to do. Yes, there's obviously some issues with I think the the world exploration and stuff like that. But you know that's a story and a, and a world that I want to go back and do more of. The pain in the ass thing is that once you actually do finish, you can't go back and do it. You have to reload an existing save um, to do it. So anyway, that's kind of where I I was at. And I was like, look, the the writing story characters, I think are excellent. Um, Like my ending was really good. I had, it was actually quite emotional. And yeah, like there were actually like moments in that in that game where they were talking. There, I was, I I wrote that someone was cutting cutting onions like nearby. Like, like there were a few a few, <laughs> few times where I was like, mm, I'm I'm getting a bit teary. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And the combat I thought was fine. Like I had no issues with it. Um, aside mm. from that other, you know, the other part of of the game. So in the new anyway. rating system, would you would you say it's a blast? And James would say it's not a blast. Uh, <laughs> Blast or blast? S- complicated blast. <laughs> uh, blast. I'd give it. I'd give it a, a power raid mountain blast. That, that, that's what I would give All it. Right. Um, power raid mountain blast. <laughs> mountain tube blast, baby. I'm, I hate I'm glad this is going to become. There's a, a gamut of blasts. Yep. Uh, I, I, well, I think it was miss. It was. It should have been more attention given to the fact that complicated blast was followed up with Nathan saying, "I've had a few of those." <laughs> 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 I think Nathan's. No, we won't. We won't, we won't commit to that on the podcast. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Nathan, you went and saw Madame, Madam Webb. Madame, Madame Webb. Yeah. Um, look, I'm gonna keep it real brief. If you've seen the reviews, there's really not much I can add. It wasn't a fun time. Um, I had a lot of, I guess, sympathy for the lead actresses because I think they're all great, and you can see them kind of gritting through their teeth, I've saying been bamboozled into this. It, it was. It was like, who held these women hostage? Um, they they were really spitting out some bullshit through gritted teeth. It was a real shame. They did Sydney Sweeney, my girl. They did her so dirty. Um, they they try and portray her as like a fourteen year old klutzy ditz, and 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 that's. 
I guess it's against type, but I mean, you, you could tell she was she was in pain. Um, no fight scenes, weird for a superhero film. Just no nothing really. It was just a fucking nothing burger of, of, of a film. So I haven't I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of that. I've heard a lot of people just going like, "This is one Sony swerve that we just can't forgive." They have. If, if you told me the script to was written by AI, I'd be like. It makes a little bit of sense. Um, it's all well, set up for Dakota a sequel. Didn't Dakota say that on SNL? She said it was if, if AI made your boyfriend's favourite movie, it'd be this film. Oh, yeah. okay. So this is news to me, but it would make perfect sense. Um, it's all set up for a sequel that I'll be shocked if it ever happens. Nothing happens in the film. Um, everything you've seen in the trailers it was exclusively for the trailers. Um, Are just you telling just a, me that they weren't mm. studying spiders in the rainforest right before my mother well, died? That, that fucking line isn't even in the film. <laughs> Yeah. The well, whole film's just, just a bait and switch. I was it just same left thing happened out. with Morbius. Well, more at least at least there was some fun to be had in Morbius. Morbius had action scenes befitting of a superhero film as cheesy as it was. It this, had a bat Hadouken. It had something. This this need. doesn't have any heart. So yeah, uh, you've read the reviews. I got nothing to add. Uh, shame. And if you took your your loved one to Valentine's Day for that, then. Yeah, that was did, not, that was uncomfortable. Open on Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, it did. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I, I guess yeah, I guess someone ain't at yeah, mm, my sympathies. Mm. There's Indeed. a joke in there about madams and webs, but we're not going to make it. We are not going to make it. But what we will make is we'll give quick shout outs to Mark's uh, Mario Donkey Kong review. He says that it remains an enjoyable platform puzzle as as. It did back on the Game Boy Advance, freshened up and featuring a small number of modern and welcome additions, 8.5. We love our 8.5s at Well Played. Tidy. That is a monkey blast, if we've ever heard one. All right, let's um, wrap it up. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. If you wanted to check out the content, go to www.wellhavenplayed.com.au and we <laughs> will see you next week. Shout out to Xbox. Uh, good job shitting the bed once again. Goodbye. <laughs> 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 Don't lose that pace. Don't lose that pace. Zach, quick as quick can be.